Hello, everyone, and welcome to the More Deadly Podcast, where we review horror movies directed by women, which prove that the female of the species is more deadly than the male. See where where I'm going with this name? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Pretty pretty clever, right? (laughs) I love it. Anyway, I'm your co-host, Rachel, and joining me is truly one of my favorite people on the planet, Ariel. Aw, thank you. Hi, everybody. Hello. How are you? Doing good. You're doing good? Good. Are you excited to talk about some lady horror? Yes, I am. I mean, it is, after all, Women in Horror Month. <laughs> right. Right? I mean, we're getting this yes. in right under the wire. Yeah, that's true. It we counts. got a few days left. <laughs> <laughs> well, we wanted to roll this out in Women in Horror Month, obviously, because this is, well, let's, let me just kind of, like, talk about what my plan is for the podcast, since this is the first mm-hmm. episode. I just want to take a minute and talk about what the show is and why we decided to do it. Um, despite all of our other podcasts, um, this, is, <laughs> <laughs> this is actually something that I have been wanting to do for ages and has kind of been in the works in various forms over the years. We decided finally, like, let's make it happen. It's 2020 times. They are a dark. So let's focus on something that, like, we're passionate about. that makes us happy, uh, which is women, women making horror. That yep. is Right? That's a shared passion that you and I have. And yeah, absolutely. And it's been really great the last couple of years to see more and more horror movies directed by women. It's exciting. Right? Like, if we had done this when we first started podcasting, we would have just been, like, covering Near Dark over and over Yeah, it would have been <laughs> slim pickings. <laughs> That's not totally true. But the point is, like, I think, like, you you can go into, like, the proliferation of, like, technology and streaming services and, like the accessibility to all kinds of all the tools and stuff that go into making films has allowed there to be a lot more people making movies. This is like not new information. Everybody knows this, but like one of the things that came up as a result of it is like so many feet more female horror makers, not enough. And certainly not ones getting the kinds of like big budget movies that we think a lot of them deserve. But you know, this podcast is our chance to use our little teeny tiny platform to, to highlight some of the women making horror so that more people maybe will check these movies out and who knows. So yeah, and it's like I mentioned, it's Women in Horror Month, so now's the perfect time to launch a podcast that carries this spirit of celebration forward all year long. Uh, so I hope that you will all in the audience join us in celebrating all of the amazing things that women have been have done and are continuing to do in this genre that we're so insanely in love with. Yeah. Okay, rant over. Yeah, no, that was great. <laughs> how, how about you? I, when I reached out to you to do this, what were you thinking? Oh, that it made so much sense. I couldn't believe we didn't do this sooner. I right? mean, I think you're right that it might have been hard to do this, you know, 10 years ago. But um, this past year, I watched so many horror movies. And, mm-hmm. you know, there were a good number of really good horror movies directed by women. Um, but a lot of them, like, nobody really knows about. So I think this is the perfect opportunity to talk about them. Yay! I'm so glad. I was really excited. Like, you you said yes without, like, any hesitation. And I was like, yeah. am I going to have to sell this? <laughs> no, not at all! Yay! <laughs> Plus, it, like, uh, we always talk about on, you know, the various podcasts, like, a big part of podcasting for me is also it's I love talking about these things, but I also love talking to you. And it's like a we it's like our friend date. You know, we live yeah. in different states and this makes, you know, I, I just like hanging out with you. And I hope 
hopefully we'll make something people want to listen to and join in the conversation with us. But at the end of the day, I'm just excited (laughs) to have some quality one-on-one aerial time. Yeah, this will be nice. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so before we go much further, uh, I just want to throw out our spoiler policy. (laughs) Ariel, you want to tell our listeners what our spoiler policy is? We are going to spoil fucking everything. (laughs) Yes, consider yourself warned. For this first episode... I picked the movie. Mm-hmm. You'll be picking next time. Do you have any idea what you're going to pick for our I next do, movie? I do, yeah. Oh, damn. I can't wait to see what black and white drama we're going to watching. You'd be hard-pressed to find one that was directed by a woman. but I mean, I can think of one, uh-huh. which is what? The Hitchhiker? Yep. Yep. By I, you know, oh, God, is that what we're watching? No. <laughs> I, I thought about it though. It's almost <laughs> it'll happen someday. It's just like Russian roulette, but with uh, <laughs> with oh god, Lupino. real quick, I have to tell you that you and I were going. I had invited you to go to the film noir festival in San yeah. Francisco, and yeah. when I told you that it was a foreign, obscure foreign film noirs, and that the one I had picked out was Czechoslovakian <laughs> noir, you were like, um, no. <laughs> might be a little bit in the deep end for me <laughs> yeah i gotta tell you i think you completely 100 percent made the right decision really well yeah, how was so it it was great but <laughs> what, what was, i went first of all what was the name of the movie so i actually didn't go to czechoslovakia night because you oh. were not the only person who turned me down on that oh. invite. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't the hot ticket you expected it to be no. <laughs> obscure like eastern block noir <laughs> Yeah, no. <laughs> but I did convince a bunch of people to go with me to the British night. Oh, fun. So normally they do a combination of like more famous film noirs and then really obscure ones where they like have to get the film from some film institute. And, you know, it's not always great quality, but you're seeing movies you wouldn't get to see any other way. Um, this year, it's like pretty much all deep dives that they did. And so I took people to the British one and it's a double feature they do back to back with like a 20 minute intermission and after the first movie the only people left standing were me and my friend Kate (laughs) everybody else took off they were like, yep, think I've gotten enough of that for now. Oh, I, no. Here's the thing. They were so good. And Victor Mature was in one of them. And, like, his daughter was there giving talks about the movie. Like, it's so cool. But I understand if it's not your thing. Like, black and white but movies aren't your like thing. That that crowd self, self-selects in a way that you would think that they would be super into it. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, the audience was packed. Like, there were tons of people there watching, but the people that I invited oh, all took off. I was picturing you and Kate alone no. in a theater. <laughs> no, it was great. There were tons of people. People, like, dress up like, you know, 40s movie stars and stuff. Right. So it's very cool. But That's the part of it that I'm very intrigued by. Right. See, I probably would have gone to British <laughs> Night. You should have You should have hit me up for British I Night. Should've. Czechoslovakian. Yeah. I ain't ready. Maybe went... year two. <laughs> All right, so this is a me pick. <laughs> um, I picked the movie Rabid from 2019, which is a remake of the David Cronenberg film, um, this time directed by Jen and Sylvia Saska, a.k.a. the Saska Twins, a.k.a. the Twisted Twins, a.k.a. the Saska Sisters. <laughs> they go by a lot of names. Yeah. <laughs> um, I picked this one because I just thought, like, what better way to kick off the show about horror movies made by women that than the latest movie made by two of the most prominent 
horror mm-hmm. filmmakers right now, right? Like anytime you Google women horror directors, you're gonna get like they're gonna be on the list. Yeah. <laughs> like for sure. And they're they're currently still working in the genre and sort of exclusively in the genre. I mean, they do some sort of like exploitation action kind of movies with like former wrestlers, but primarily they're like known for their horror. Um, so it just, to me, kind of made sense that we, we start here and then, you know, maybe dive a little deeper as we go on. And, you know, I've been meaning to watch this. It came out at the end of last year during the, like, mega crunch before yeah. our, our year-end show. So this was my excuse to circle back and and finally check it out. Yeah. So that's why I picked this movie. Um, a little background, a little pa- uh, background on the directors and production. So, as I said, this is directed by Jen and Sylvia Soska. They're Canadian filmmakers, sisters, obviously. And their first film, Dead Hooker in a Trunk, was actually a student film that they did. And it was they tried putting it out to a bunch of film festivals at the time. And it was rejected by everyone because of the content and, and also the title. And it was only finally debut- picked up and debuted in the very first Women in Horror Month Film Festival. Mm-hmm which is where they got their start, uh, which was founded by friend of the pod, Hannah Neurotica. Yes. And their follow-up film was American Mary, a revenge horror film with like a medical twist that uh, actually kind of makes for interesting comparison to this movie. Cause I mm-hmm. kind of feel like thematically there's some crossover here. Um, yeah. Visually which, a little bit too. Yeah. So we'll get into that when we get into the review and they went on to make a handful of other movies they followed this up with segments and abcs of death 2 uh see no evil 2 which was the like pain starring slasher movie uh vendetta which is an action film and finally rabid they also had a tv show where they like did scary things to people oh that's right i totally forgot about that right yeah, yeah. so i mean because they started off their career where they wanted to be stunt performers right right then they wanted to be actors and then they were like, they kept getting like cast as like stereotypical twin roles and mm-hmm. stuff. And they were just like, we don't want to be the like good and evil twin or whatever. So they decided to go to film school, went on to make this movie and the rest is history. They made the right choice. apparently. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so they started production on this film back in 2016. The goal was not necessarily to remake rabid directly, even though it's like one of the, you know, David Cordenborg, a fellow Canadian, Hugely influential to them, huge fans of this work. They wanted to to kind of revisit some of the themes of the original film, but put it through a female perspective. In the lead up to this movie, there was some drama. There was some uh, escandalo um, because they <laughs> <laughs> they were temporarily suspended from Twitter for posting photos of Rose's face. Uh, oh. There's yeah. So in this movie, she has some pretty amazing prosthetics. Yeah, or, like, she does. Right, where like like her jaw is like wired shut, and like half of her face is gone, and apparently that was too graphic for Twitter. I, I think Twitter what? will be shocked to discover what a, like the verbal violence that occurs on their <laughs> platform on it every day. But whatever. So they were temporarily suspended for uh, posting a picture of her face, even though it was the cover of Fangoria that month. Eventually, they were mm-hmm. allowed back on the platform. But yeah, so that was. Excellent, sort of great marketing. I don't, it wasn't intentional to get kicked off, but like, it's one of those things where you got to just like take advantage of the marketing opportunity. And then like, obviously yeah. that's going to drive interest if like you're getting kicked off Twitter for being too graphic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 
I looked up the uh, special effects artist. His name is Stephen Kostansky, um, who had previously done work on The Void, Hannibal, and Todd versus the Book of Pure Evil. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Those are all great. That's awesome. And now that having seen this and like when we get into like the final act with like the real body horror, I'm like, oh, yeah, I can see those influences Uh for sure. (laughs) All right, I have talked enough. Ariel, take over. Tell me about this movie. Okay, so in this movie, wannabe fashion designer Rose has a brutal motorcycle accident that leaves her with her jaw wired shut and her face heavily scarred. Feeling despondent, she seeks out an experimental stem cell surgery, which completely heals all of her scars. Soon she's excelling at work. She goes out on a date with a guy she likes. But this initial happiness doesn't last long because she starts craving blood and having vivid dreams about attacking people. At the same time, there's an outbreak of a rabies-like disease causing people to bite and infect others, and Rose begins to wonder if she is the cause. Yes. Did you ever see the... Yeah, we watched the original on on Zombie Girls, right? So I couldn't remember if we had or not, or... I know I had seen it at some point, but like yeah. years and years and years ago. So I actually rewatched it before. Oh, did you? This. Yeah. Okay. Because I was I w- curious to see, you know, what the difference is. I wasn't sure I would pick up on them because I had seen it so long ago. Yeah. I kind of wish I had I had done the same because um, it has been years since we watched it for the show. I just remember like joking about the turducken in her armpit. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's like the vagina with the penis inside. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's not as fresh in my memory, so you'll you'll sure. you'll have to be the authority on whether or not they actually give it a successfully. I don't think I'm an authority on anything, but I will try. <laughs> I mean, I feel like you're the authority on Czechoslovakia and noir, <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> so, what did you think of this movie? So, for the most part, I really liked this movie. There's a mm-hmm. lot about it that I really, really liked. Um, Especially all the special effects, all of the body horror is so much fun in this movie. Um, I think there are some things that were less effective. Like I felt like they were really trying to um, have some kind of critique on like the fashion industry. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think some of it was a a little bit ham fisted or like they didn't have anything super interesting to say there. But for the most part, I really liked it. Definitely. Yeah, I agree. Overall, I really enjoyed this movie as well. Uh, I'm going to have some criticism of it for sure, because I definitely think there are some uneven spots that didn't quite feel like they worked. But as a whole, I had a I had a really good time watching this movie. Yeah, Uh, it's a it's a fun movie. And this is actually the second time I watched it because I I did end up watching it in our run up to our end of the year uh, zombie girls cast. Oh, okay, And it just didn't quite make it into my top 10 list um, Mm -hmm. just because there were so many amazing movies last year. Yeah, no kidding. But I really, I really liked it. And but since it had been a few months, I thought if I'm actually going to be able to speak to it, since I watched it mm, probably on a day when I watched like five other horror movies. Oh man, that was last like, crunch was yeah. crazy. So I decided it was worth revisiting, and I still had fun watching it the second time. Um, I think one of the interesting things that they did in this is in the original movie, um, you know nothing about the young woman going into mm. it. Like the movie immediately starts with her car accident. Um, her and her boyfriend, or I'm sorry, motorcycle accident. Her and her boyfriend get into this horrific accident before there's really been any dialogue. You know nothing about her. Um, and then she's immediately taken to a hospital where they do um, an experimental skin graft. Mm-hmm. So in that one, it's like instead of 
So in the new one, it's stem cell stuff where they like put yeah. this gooey thing of stem cells on her yeah, face. Yeah, it was like some weird space. It was like color out of space. Yeah, jellyfish. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and um, um, in the original one, it's like they take skin from her thigh and then they put it inside of her body, mm. and it's supposed to like be able to internally heal and like create stuff that got you know torn up in the motorcycle accident anyways so you basically then she's like in a in a coma they're keeping her like in a medically induced coma until she wakes up and you you basically learn nothing about her through the entire film um it's just her going from like one person to the next kind of you know attacking them and her boyfriend trying to to get her back and to stop what's happening and then the outbreak um so this one's interesting because at the beginning you get a whole chunk of time about Rose, the main character before the accident ever takes place. You know, so you find out about her being, you know, wanting to be a fashion designer and like working in industry, but not really doing very well. And that she doesn't ever feel beautiful because she'd gotten into, was it like a fire with her family? Yeah. I think that, I think they allude to it being a fire. Yeah. And that her family died and she, you know, wasn't fostered by this other family. Um, So you learn a lot more, about her. I think unfortunately some of those um some of the scenes are a little clunky. Yeah. Like the stuff around her being a vegetarian. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I I mean there's a lot of exposition here, but what I do like about it is that like they're at least trying to give her some sort of internal life. Yeah, exactly. I mean really as, in the as other you're one, saying this, I'm remembering like, oh yeah, there really was nothing no. about we knew nothing about nope. her. Yeah, and you never, it's not like by the end you know something about her. You really never, you know, she dies in the end. You never learn anything. Right. Um, and she's also naked a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, there are some good sort of like visual homages to the original. Like in the original, there's a scene where she's in her friend's bathroom and she's like writhing around on the floor in pain. And she's in white underwear and a white t-shirt, which unfortunately are so soaked with her sweat that you see the nips, like everything. Yeah. Is there. <laughs> um, <laughs> in this one, she's also, there's a scene of her and her sister, foster sister's uh, kitchen where she's like writhing around on the floor in pain in white t-shirt and underwear. Um, this time you don't see anything though, which is yeah. uh, a nice or a, a better recreation of that same idea. I wonder what the rating was for this. I mean, I guess it must have been R because of the violence. I would imagine, yeah. But, like, I will say that's one thing that this movie definitely does not have that is um, innate to, like, Cronenberg. is just mm-hmm. sort of that griminess to it. Mm-hmm. Sort of, like, like, a lot of early Cronenberg had this very grimy sort of 70s tan yeah. <laughs> kind of palette to it um whereas this one definitely i mean just by putting it in the fashion world like the fashion world definitely has sort of an underbelly to it and you get a little tiny taste of it at the um fashion show and everybody's like doing coke and whatever right. but like it definitely is in terms of class this feels like it's set in a very like a much more affluent class yeah and everything is very sleek very polished um that's a really good way to put it yeah yeah in a way that like doesn't necessarily <clears throat> code as Cronenberg for me, mm-hmm. and that's not a bad thing. And I think, and I think it, especially when you're talking about the way in terms of like the way that the actor is treated, like she ex- has an internal life, she has a personality, she has like desires and autonomy. There's a little bit of a like under her skin, 
vibe yeah her, yeah that that's I definitely liked. true um in the original there's like a little bit of that towards maybe the the middle or the last third of the movie where okay. she's like kind of hitchhiking to be able mm, to kill right. people on her way there mm-hmm. um but uh but yeah i think there's more of that like getting to know the character her having an internal life having more agency um i definitely think that there's more probably more of that in the new one mm-hmm. definitely Which really changes things a lot about it um before we talk about anything else though can i just ask you was your like wig wig cop radar going off like big oh time my with god full like it was a four alarm fire <laughs> That wig was terrible. Yeah, the on first Gunter? time I saw it, I was like, no. "Oh no, Rachel's gonna hate this. Jesus!" Like I, I, I thought it was a parasite. Like it right. was just masquerading as a wig, as a, as hair. But we were gonna yeah. discover that it was alive. There was I mean, that was one of the worst wigs I've ever seen. I know. And then at the very end, he like when he makes has it worse. the clip-ins. <laughs> yeah. Oh God! Uh. <laughs> yes, wig cop was like writing tickets. thank you for giving me this outlet to express my pain and suffering (laughs) the Saska sisters are very interested in body horror which Mm -hmm. as are we and I also think that like women in general have a unique perspective on body horror Um, we have a very intense relationship with our bodies on like a emotional and like psychological level but also like a very visceral experience yeah i mean we Uh, deal with things that like penis having people don't have to deal with so exactly i mean there's like blood and there's you know giving birth and there's you know a lot of stuff that comes with having that kind of body exactly but what i think is interesting this is the second time that they've done body horror specifically right and both times like it's very much tied around themes of vanity. Oh, that's actually really true. I hadn't thought about that. Yes, absolutely. It's always these sort of like cautionary tales around physical beauty that yeah. are really interesting. Um, and like, I think the choice to set it in the world of fashion is very specific. Like mm-hmm. the way, like fashion, the fashion industry is like a body whore all, all onto oh, itself yeah. um, in terms of what has to be done to create those bodies the way that those bodies are treated like you know objects in terms of they're just like hangers for clothing the way that those sort of beauty ideals trickle throughout the rest of society like there's a whole body horror that is just specifically around uh the fashion industry so i thought that was that was really interesting and i'm kind of curious i haven't been able to find anything where they're specifically talking about this in interviews but mm-hmm. if i ever spoke to them i would definitely want to dig into like what it is what why they link those things so closely together right i don't disagree but i kind of would like to dig a little deeper into where they're going with it and i wonder if some of it has to do with the fact that they are both like very conventionally attractive which mm-hmm. i think has a certain cachet and has a lot of benefits to it but i also think it's something that um that has a lot of drawbacks in the film industry, right? right. Like being taken seriously. Uh, I'm sure it gets held against them a lot because they are I just like imagine. women who exist. Um, <laughs> and so Sadly, I wonder yes. like how much of these sort of experiences play into when they're writing these, they wrote American Mary and they wrote this one. Like, why do they keep returning to this theme is really curious to me. Yeah. No, I would love to hear more about that from them because it is really interesting. I hadn't really even been thinking about American Mary other than the body horror stuff, but that is, I mean, that's definitely the theme of that movie too. 
Yeah, I mean, one of the things uh, I liked about this too in the scenes where she, once she gets the stem cell procedure and her face, you know, is completely healed and she's beautiful, um, she goes out to meet her foster sister who comes to pick her up, and her foster sister's like, "Where are the glasses?" And she's like, I don't need them anymore. And I thought that was kind of a funny nod to like all of those movies where the girl is really beautiful, but yes. she's wearing glasses and let's do a makeover, take off her glasses. Oh my God, she's gorgeous. Like she's all that or something, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I thought this that was kind of a funny way to deal with that. Totally. You're <laughs> totally right. That, that was the hardest. That was of all the things in the movie that you have to suspend disbelief for. Yeah. L- like Laura Van, what is her name? Vander, uh, Vander, Vandervoort. As unattractive, right? I was like, no, no. I know. Even in the beginning, where she's supposed to be like, you know, scarred, it's like they put glasses on her and muddy up her complexion, complexion a little bit. Yeah, but she's still gorgeous. I mean, with them cheekbones, girl, no, yeah, Yeah, (laughs) no, 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 no. no. (laughs) Nobody's buying it. No. Oh, Um, you know what's so funny about her too is, do you remember me talking in the Zombie Girls podcast about that werewolf uh, (laughs) drama? I was wondering if you were going to cop to this. Yeah. So as soon as I watched this movie, I was like, oh my God, that's her. She's the star. And I swear this woman has made her career out of like writhing around in pain, you know, like. Oh, right. She does it so many times in this movie. Like every time she transformed into a werewolf, she's like in so much pain over it. Um, And the guy who played the scene where they're filming a soap opera. Yeah. And there's the creepy director. Yes. He was the head werewolf in that show. Oh, too. weird. Yeah, because it was a Canadian <laughs> show, so I assume that's, you know. Kind of circling back to this idea of vanity. There are so many like ideas that they're throwing at you that some of them don't totally land like around like like, you know, the medical industry is predatory. Agree, right. but like I you know, like there's just like a handful of these kinds of ideas that they're throwing at you so fast that like none of them really stick, but not none of them, but several of them don't really stick but i do think the one that really worked for me was this idea of how rose's value and stock goes up with the people right. in her life um in direct relation to how she like looks on the outside mm-hmm. like she's become this literal monster and and in, in this pursuit of like trying to have physical beauty i mean not i mean obviously the she just wants to have her face back you know right but but right. still the point is like she's at behind closed doors she's like writhing in pain secretly eating this weird diet uh but like outwardly looking like she's health like the idea of beauty and health and so like the rest of the world is like you're doing great you're doing great without realizing that like there's a struggle happening behind closed doors yeah and you know everything must be great for her because she looks physically beautiful and also everything she does now is totally valid but like secretly there's a struggle going on behind closed doors which i think is really interesting yeah yeah and i mean she does so well once she's had the surgery like she immediately gets basically a promotion at work and the fashion designer finally like sees her value and you're under the impression for most of the movie that like now she's getting herself a boyfriend yeah like, there's all kinds of things. The only thing I, I'm kind of disappointed about is, like, the first third of the movie, her friend is very present. Mm-hmm. And that relationship was really interesting to me. And she kind of disappears until the very end. And I, I would agree. have actually liked to have seen a little bit more of that. I also think her her death and, like, that attack at the fashion show would have been more impactful had you had more of her. 
in yeah. that second act, you know? Yeah. Um, they also made a reference to the original movie in that scene, like the Chelsea, the, um, the foster sister comes into the fashion show late and she talks about how she was on the subway and somebody bit her. And one of the best scenes in the original Cronenberg one is this amazing scene on a subway. It's just like mm. car subway car packed with people. And this woman starts like foaming at the mouth and trying to bite people. And all these people are scrambling to get away being chased by this, you know, zombie person. Um, so I thought that was kind of a cool, cool nod to it. Although I honestly wish, I almost wish they had remade that scene because it was really cool. But Right. I wonder, I, you know, I wonder maybe they did and it just didn't end up in the final cut. Yeah, it could have been. Who knows? Yeah. Because it is weird that she just sort of disappears without explanation. Yeah, exactly. And then just kind of shows up at the end again. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. I also really liked the weird-ass costumes that the doctors were wearing during the surgery. They're like these red satin gown kind of deals with like bright red medical gloves. I thought that was really interesting. And also, I, I don't know if the Soska sisters like have a thing for like nurses costumes but they always have the nurses wearing like the old you know 70s 60s 70s whatever nurses uniforms with like the hat and the skirt and everything yeah uh i mean i'm totally into that aesthetic i wish i actually wish there was more of that Mm -hmm. like weirdness like more of an explanation of why they were wearing those those gowns like i wanted it to go into like full cult territory like i actually think that would have been really cool yeah. Right? Because uh, she like, also has that dream, right? Um, she has a dream or you think it's a dream or a hallucination mm-hmm. where she's being, she's in the dress that she designed and there's like all this weird stuff happening around her and her head is being wrapped in like red gauze. But then yeah. they never really revisited what happened there, you know? Yeah, it was like a weird music video in the middle of the movie. Right, exactly. Like visually it was cool. Yes. I just didn't, I was like, I don't understand what's happening here. What's, what are we doing? Yeah, um, that was one of the scenes. Right, it felt disjointed, not bad, and like and like in isolation. I thought it was visually really cool. Yes, but it just it didn't necessarily mesh for me. Um, but I do. Yeah, I wish we had gotten into something a little bit more, like a little more mythology around what it was that he was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's like clear that the rest of the staff is in on it. Why else are they wearing these red? these red robes right like it feels very real ritualistic like i wanted to there to be like i wanted more from that now i'm not you know it just was it was a cool path that i wish we had taken yeah um, exactly because visually it looked awesome yes i mean, I mean they're and, great at that you know mm-hmm. and the use of color throughout this movie is pretty cool like the use of red mm-hmm. i don't know if you noticed this red was like very encoded with danger yeah. in this movie from the drink that she's drinking just simply being called red oh i didn't even notice that yeah the pills were red yep. the roses that bart or that um not bart uh i honestly can't remember he's a little yeah. bit of a forgetful char- character yeah so he gave her red roses which is like a little bit of a clue yeah like it it seems and at that point he still seems fairly innocent but you know we find out in the end that he like kind of was in cahoots yeah so that was like a little bit of a little visual clue and then at the end when she has gone like full transformation that she's finally wearing a red jumpsuit 
That's right. Which was so cute. Oh my god, she looks so good in that. Yeah, I I live for a jumpsuit, so Mm. I was (laughs) delighted. But it was like this. It was finally she was in red. Like she was wearing white before. She was wearing other colors, but she's finally wearing red in the end because we know from Schadenfreude that like that is (laughs) the color of the sort of the dark passenger. Yeah, and she's like fully embodying it at this point. So I, I thought the use of red was really cool. Yeah, the drinks, too. Oh, my God. When she licks that steak, I was so um, grossed out. I wouldn't know because I hid my face. <laughs> there's, I can watch the, like, extreme gore, but there's something about, like, people eating, like, raw, yeah. bloody Ugh. meat that is so fucking gross. I know. Me. I mean, she licks it, and then she takes yeah. the, like, styrofoam package and, like, pours the blood in her mouth, and it's, like, going everywhere. And first of all, it was disgusting. I was so grossed out by that part. And then she's... She talks on the phone right after that with her hands covered in blood. And yeah. this is stupid. But I just keep thinking, like, what are you doing? Like, wash your hands. Ugh. Get the blood off <laughs> So gross. Yeah. <laughs> that was, to me, the grossest part of the movie. Yes. Even though there's plenty of gruesome things, that is by far. Anything Completely eating. agree. Mm. No, 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 no. No. It's gross. I hate handling raw meat. It's me too. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> me too. Um, so, Yeah. As far as performances, this movie to me basically make or break on Laura Vandervoort's mm-hmm. um, performance, and I thought she was pretty solid as Rose. To be honest, um, I found her, like I said, a little bit less believable before the accident when she yeah. was like the homely version. Of herself. <laughs> I was like, bitch, right? <laughs> no, you have never been homely a day in your life. Like that bone structure is undeniable (laughs) i know they act like nobody would notice her she's just like this wallflower even though like i mean every she was wearing like great clothes her hair is beautiful it's just that like her face is 100 perfect but she's right she just needs like a like a full coverage you know yeah what is it foundation she'll be good to go right exactly (laughs) but yeah i mean like once she transforms she has to like kind of dig into the grief and the fear following the accident uh, and there's like, there's like more for her to do emotionally. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I I was with her on that, and I was very into her performance. Also, when she switches into like predator mode, mm-hmm. and she she actually was able to communicate a degree of menace, which is kind of impressive for like you know this little petite, beautiful, yeah, I thought she was woman great to be like kind scene. of scary. Yes. Yeah, and and the scenes, like you were saying, when she's by herself, just sort of experiencing all these emotions, I thought she did surprisingly well. Like, it was definitely believable. I was with her in those moments. Definitely. Did you have any sort of standout moments from the movie that you particularly liked? Well, I mean, the ending is Ah, fantastic. I also really liked the scene in the restaurant. I thought that was kind of cool. Oh, Um, when he comes through the window, yes. like, uh, did you think of In the Mouth of Madness? Yes. I wanted him to be like, do you read Sutter Kane? <laughs> 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 yeah, I agree. That was pretty great. Um, oh, and there's, I think it's when they're in the hospital. There's a great scene where this guy is like bashing his head against the glass and he gets like glass stuck in his cheek. Yeah. And it looks so good. It's gross. Like, yeah, it was super gross and effective. The scene where they're filming, um, the first guy she ever bites is at the hospital mm-hmm. and he gets infected and he's like a soap star and he goes to be on his soap opera. And then he starts like attacking this new young yeah. actor who comes in. I thought that scene was pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the, the young actor kind of making fun of him uh, was pretty funny. The director being so like crazy that he's like, oh, I got to film it, even though this dude is literally eating the face off another yeah. guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then just all their faces after yes. they pull them apart and the director's just like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought that was pretty great. There are a few yeah. little like kind of comedic moments in the movie that are pretty good. Yeah. For me, it was definitely the surgery scene with the weird color yeah. out of space jellyfish and robes, but also just all the body horror was mm-hmm. pretty great. Like the, all the 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 gore and stuff was was really well done. Um, but like they actually did nail the body horror pretty well. Like the yeah. first time you get to see the the thing the the penis come out of her armpit was great, and <laughs> it then really it slowly was. tucking itself back in. Yeah, Ugh, it was great. It was yeah. so, and then of course the wife on the wall yes oh my like, god all that the tentacles so and cool. stuff yes like, i i love the reveal of it too because like they're having <laughs> these conversations and you could just see something very subtly moving in the background yeah. i kept going what's in the back look turn around what's behind <laughs> what's you what's on? behind you <laughs> and then when you see it you're like oh no yeah <laughs> yeah that is bad times <laughs> uh, i thought that was i thought that scene was great and the fact that she kind of takes control and like um cuts the the penis monster thing out of her mm-hmm. armpit um trying to save the young man even though he's like a terrible person um yeah. um and then being willing to kill the like monster on the wall um his wife and then slit her own throat yeah I mean, that's taking back your power right is yeah i mean it and unfortunately it doesn't end up working but no um, I have hopes, though. I think Rose is going to get out of there. Yeah. Although it's probably best if she does. I know. It's right? a fucked up thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. I felt a little ambiguous about how it ended. Like, mm-hmm. I like, in terms of in entertainment value, I felt very satisfied yes. by it. But, like, in, in terms of our, like, of Rose's arc, I feel a little more ambiguous about her just ending locked up in there in the end. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I agree. It worked because it's fun. Yeah. Um, and, and watching him, like, cooking the steaks and stuff with all these dogs around. I was, um, like, like, immediately on, does the dog die? I know, <laughs> I know. I was like, you better not end this with some fucking dogs dying. <laughs> I know, it's like, these dogs are all so cute. Why does this monster have so many dogs? Yeah. Um, But all of that is, like, you know, it was entertaining to watch. And he's got her, like, locked up with the yeah. dead wife in the background and stuff. But I agree that it's not, like, the ending I would have hoped for for this character. Right. Yeah, I'm not really sure how what you how to end this movie, though. I would, yeah, because I would... you're right. If she gets out, then, like, what does that mean? It's This outbreak was already, you know, like, they're... On and popping. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, the Cronenberg movie, the way it ends is that she dies. Um, or, wait. God, all of a sudden I'm blinking, and I just watched this yesterday. How if I dies. recall, she, like, traps someone in, That's the, in right. the room yes. with her. That's right, Yeah, because she wants to see if, what she, like, if she can take some of their blood without them turning. So she's yeah. going to wait to see, and then it ends up attacking her. And the next time you see her, she's out basically in a pile of trash, dead. Yeah. And she mm-hmm. gets picked up by, like, these CDC kind of guys, putting her into a literal garbage truck and then turning so the thing. So this has a better end. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was the point I was trying to make. <laughs> yes, this is definitely an improvement on her ending up in trash. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, I'm trying to think of how you would end her arc. I mean, there's sort of this undercurrent. I referred to it earlier about how like there's sort of like this anti-industry vibe mm-hmm. to this movie. Like the pharmaceutical industry, the fashion industry, yeah. like any industry, this movie's sort of anti. And so I kind of, I guess you could have ended it with her just like burning the place down. Um, yeah, that could have like, been satisfying. down the industry, like this, this guy who's like an yeah. industry up- unto himself. I don't know. But I mean, it's a Cronenberg, so you have to have kind of a nihilist ending, right? Mm-hmm. Like His movies don't end happy, except for maybe History of Violence. I don't remember if that has a happy ending or not. I don't either. It's been so long since I've seen it. It's such a great movie. It that's is. My, that's, that's, well, I mean, The Fly is the best one, but. Agreed. I don't like History of Violence. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about the end of this movie. Uh, I don't dislike it. I just felt unsatisfied for rose right oh now we've seen we've seen a few of their movies i've seen american mary we've seen we've both seen that we've seen a hooker yeah uh, dead hooker in a trunk i've seen see no evil 2 i have not seen that i don't think okay well from what you've seen uh how how did this movie compare for you i mean i really liked it and Mm -hmm. i think i liked it more than dead hooker Mm. um but i really loved american mary it's been years since i've seen that but that movie is so good and so interesting and different. Um, I think I might like that one slightly better, but I really did enjoy this movie a lot. There's a lot about this movie that I really liked and that I thought they did really well. And I just, I pray <laughs> that they keep doing body horror because they're so right. good at it. They're so good at it. Definitely. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Uh, I thought this movie had a lot of polish and like, like yeah. I said, it's very slick. It's very competently made. Mm-hmm. They're they are they clearly have figured out how to make a good looking movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, they've upped their game in that respect, definitely. It's a little too clean for Cronenberg, as I mm-hmm. mentioned before. Um, they, it doesn't have that griminess. Yeah. Um, as far as where I would put this in their in their sort of filmography that I have seen, mm-hmm. um, American Mary is still my favorite, but I feel like this is a very close second. Yeah. Um. Like, this is, I had a really good time watching this. This was fun. Um, Agreed. And probably would have been good to watch it at our crunch to break up some of the stuff we watched towards the end. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I would recommend this. Would you recommend this to people? Absolutely. All right, cool. All right. So that is it for our review. If you enjoyed the show, if you have some thoughts, you want to share your feelings, you have recommendations for movies you'd like to hear us cover or filmmakers you'd like us to focus on, then you can email us at rachel at zombiegirls.com. If you like the show, please leave us a review on iTunes. And if you're looking for something to watch tonight, you don't know what's out there, what's available to watch, head over to the Zombie Girls website. And check out our video on demand calendar. We keep an updated calendar of all the movies that are available for streaming, um, as well as for rent on Amazon Prime, Vudu, iTunes, all your standard um, streaming video on demand services. So definitely go check those out for all the good stuff that is streaming. All right. So I guess that just leaves us with our plans for the next episode. I picked Rabbit, which means, Ariel, it's your turn. What? For those of people at home who want to play along and watch the movies with us, since we are going to spoil them, um, what are we watching for the next episode? So I actually picked another 2019 movie. Oh. Uh, Tigers Are Not Afraid. Oh, I see what you did there. You're gonna, you're, the forcing begins. <laughs> Tigers so, are uh, not 
two reasons I picked this. One, force Rachel, Rachel to watch this. Because I can't force her to watch Hagazusa because it was not directed by a woman. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm going to make her watch Tigers Are Not Afraid. The second reason is I think that Tigers Are Not Afraid is an absolutely beautiful movie. It's it's just it's just beautiful. It's a lovely story. It's emotional and sad and there's scary stuff and really sort of lovely emotional pieces to it. And I don't think it got nearly the attention it deserved last year. Um, okay. So I want to talk about it with you. All right. You got me. See, I, <laughs> you, this is how we do it. Yes. <laughs> I'm not going to start thinking about all the things I want to make. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. What have I done? <laughs> all right, Ariel. You do us a solid and take us out. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to the first episode of the More Deadly podcast. We really hope you enjoy it and keep listening. Um, again, uh, if you liked it, review us on iTunes and we'll see you next time. Bye, Bye. everybody.